my god, my TV just turned on. By itself? Phantom TV? Yeah. Let's not, let's not have that. Okay. It's your host, Natalia, back for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Um, today, I am so, so incredibly excited to be talking with Ali Russo, the angelic, incredible Ali Russo. Um, Ali and I met in college. Uh, we both went to Clark University. Um, she is she's not the first Clark alum to be on the podcast, um, but today we're going to be talking about her acting journey and what it's like being an actress, especially in theater. Um, and I am just, I'm just really excited to chat with her because we haven't talked in a very long time. Uh, so Allie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me, Natalia. I'm so excited. Um, so I am uh, Allie Russo, and I'm originally from Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't too far to go to, uh, go to school in Mass, uh, where we met. Mm-hmm. So it was very Um, and I have been working regionally, um, since, since graduation, uh, when I graduated in 2014 and, um, it's been, it's been a pretty, pretty wild ride. You know, um, I did live, uh, in New York for a year, which, uh, was pretty, pretty crazy. And you kind of feel like, white noise as an actor a little bit there because you're the market is just so oversaturated mm-hmm. and, um I found that I over the course of living there for a year I was only seen at about five auditions um and a lot of those were required calls and um a required call is if they will be legally required to hold an audition for the union um but they are not looking to fill any positions. So it's just kind of like a formality. So, um, I was paying rent and living in New York and I was loving it, but, um, the work that I was getting, uh, in the theater was back in new England. So I ended up giving up my lease and moving back home to Rhode Island. And that's been my home base since 2016. Um, and I've been working, at a lot of theaters in the area, um, which has been really cool. And it's, it's sort of been a weird trajectory because I've start I started out in musical theater. Uh, I had a lot of dance experience and that was my in. And, uh, I got cast in meet me in St. Louis. <laughs> uh, and that was my whole family didn't, did not have fun. They were falling asleep. They, they didn't love it. Um, but I had a blast. Um, and uh, the stage actor and stage manager union is called Actors' Equity Association. And um, they have a, a system in place for you to join. Um, so when you work at a professional theater for the first time, you can opt into the EMC program or the Equity Membership Candidate Program. And so I was really lucky because right out of college, I went to my first audition in August and I got that 
meet me in St. Louis job. And I was able to join that program. And, you know, it's not full of privileges, but it <laughs> does a little bit of a, a little bit of a like badge of honor when you go into more auditions or like in New York, I could kind of not cut the line, but you, you know, you have the union people who could make appointments and walk right in. And then you have the EMCs. And then if you weren't in the EMCs, you had to, you know, kind of be at the end of the line a little bit. So I got a little bit of a leg up and I worked at that theater, um, ocean state theater company in Warwick, which is now closed actually. Um, but I worked there until 2017. So for like three years. Yeah. And then I started doing, um, summer Shakespeare, bilingual Shakespeare at Trinity rep. They have a program called Shakespeare and El Verano which uh, was really, really cool. And I got to meet a lot of really fun people. And She double um, majored with Spanish, right? Y- yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, basically Spanish. It was um, comparative literature, but you have to designate a foreign language. So I picked Spanish. And so I was like bilingual Shakespeare. Oh, my gosh. And uh, did that for two summers and toured around um, Central Falls, Providence, Pawtucket, um, which was a lot of fun. And then I finally started getting roles in plays at the GAM, uh, which is one of my favorite theaters uh, in New England. It's so great. And um, started with The Importance of Being Earnest and then did Gloria by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, who's an incredible playwright. Um, And then finally, A Doll's House Part 2 by Lucas Nath, which if you've, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, (laughs) A Doll's House Part 2. I don't know Part 2. I didn't know there was a Part 2. Oh, you have to read it. It's um, it's the sequel. <laughs> because, of course, we've all taken classes with Gino, and if you haven't read A Doll's House for his classes... <laughs> the Birth of Modern Drama. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, Sit Down Torvalds is changed theater forever. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So this is such, so, sorry, to it's going to be very nerdy, I realize. <laughs> Ooh, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to, like, get in there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's really cool just to watch someone you know, like, kind of, like, delve into that world. And it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's been great because so many of the people that, you know, we knew in, in the theater world, like, actually still do a lot of that stuff like still do a ton of theater stuff um so it's I mean it's just it's really cool to like hear about your trajectory and and going there um I want to I want to talk a little about the college days and like when I first met you because I think it it had to be um oh oh spring awakening Spring Awakening, yep. Yes, okay, see, this is where we edit, we make it cute. Uh, so we... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I think that's, yeah, that had to be, like, where I first met you, and I just remember being like, oh, she's, like, a person, um, and I have no business being here, so... <laughs> Not true, but... <laughs> um, but it was, like, yeah, I just remember being, like, such a... I, I think what was so striking, and I think if you've, like, people who've, like, been in the theater, um, having, like, someone who's a lead just be so, like, delightful. 
Like, you were always just so kind and delightful, like, never had a mean word for anybody. And I think that was such, like, a a difference from, especially, like, other places that, you know, I came from in terms of theater. Like, it was very political. It was, like, the same, you know, two people and, like... Um, so that was, that was really lovely for you, for you. What was it like doing college theater? Just like coming in, did you feel like there was a big shift, um, doing like high school theater to college or, you know, I, I do. Um, I was, I came from a high school that had a huge emphasis on the performing arts and they really invested a lot of resources into it. And I actually remember being, at first, just at first, a little, um, kind of, like, surprised when I came to Clark because, um, you know, the department is pretty small, and at the time, they've since produced musicals, and they're, um, oh, just side note, I heard that they're producing Rent with uh, Jackie Davis is directing, who is a wonderful actress who's been on Broadway, she's been in shows in Trinity. Where was this? Where was this when we were, you know what? I'm bitter. It's fine. Continue. (laughs) I I am too, but Jackie, (laughs) Jackie Davis is incredible and she's about to direct at Clark. So we should all keep our eyes out on that. Um, but they, they really didn't kind of recognize musical theater as an art form. And the plays that they did were kind of few and far between, or they were very niche or you had to wait for the student play festival to kind of have like a lot of meaty roles to go around. Um, so I was like a little bit surprised. And then CMT was when I really started to love Clark. I I started doing it and I was just so impressed with the student body and the motivation that they had. And even the business acumen, the way they conducted rehearsals and the e-board and everything, it was just like people who are dedicated. And a lot of that spirit has, um, helped me by, you know, that example has helped me in my career because you have to be a self promoter. You have to be self motivated and you just have to be really, really nice to work with. Cause that like at a, at a certain level, people will, they won't hire you if you're not nice to be around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And were you, I mean, when you came in, you know, were you solidified on, like, I want to make the stage my career, and so, like, this is what I'm going to focus my time and energy to? I I did, you know, and it's it's so hard, and every actor is constantly riddled with self-doubt, and you have moments of, like, I should just, I should just go to law school, or I just need to do this or that, and, you know, it's, um, it's stressful because it is, there's, there is that lack of security. And then people love to remind you, um, at any, any given time that you should have a backup or, oh, there's not a lot of demand. And and I've, you know, we don't know that. So thank you for telling us, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, so it's just, I definitely knew I wanted, I, I wanted that. And, um, it was a whole thing considering liberal arts versus a conservatory setting, but I ultimately wanted a co- like a college experience too. Um, Did you audition for more conservatory settings before settling on Clark? Uh, one. <laughs> one. So I, I was just too 
I was just too young, um, at like 17 years old to really just fully commit to that. Um, and so it was really kind of, uh, half-baked. I decided kind of at the last minute that I was going to audition, not even for, you know, any of the New York schools, not anything like that, but just the Boston University Conservatory. And I was so underprepared. I was incredibly nervous. I was like up my, and I don't know, side note, but my hair takes forever to dry when I wash it. And I washed it too late the night before. And I <laughs> would in the morning, like blow drying my hair furiously, trying to like say my monologue over and over that I definitely picked too late in the game and I was not solid. And I'm waiting in line at the audition and there are all these like young kids all waiting to strut their stuff. And I was just so unsure of myself and my heart, my heart wasn't in it yet. I didn't know what I wanted. And there were two rooms and there was the director of the program, um, who was a, a man and everyone was like, okay, I want to get in that room because everyone says he's really nice. And then there was the other room that was, um, two women from the faculty. Um, and word on the street was that they were very tough mm -hmm. and, uh, sure enough, I got sent to the room with the two ladies who, as soon as I walked in, they were just staring at my resume and staring at my application. And they said, why, why is this the only conservatory you're applying to? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not sure I'm considering, you know, different avenues of liberal arts. And already they were just like, this. <laughs> She doesn't want this. And I could tell, and I was so, I was so nervous that I start my monologue and I go sky high. I just totally forgot in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the stuff that nightmares are made of. So, uh, yeah, so that was my one. And, and they, they called me out. They, you know, to their credit, they could see right through me. They knew that I was kind of doing it as an afterthought and I needed more time to really think about what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So they, they did me a favor, but needless to say, I was rejected hard. <laughs> you like left and they were like, well, <laughs> not for me. Do you, yeah. I mean, do you ever kind of like regret, I guess a little bit, not going to, um, a more traditional, like, cause I, I, it's weird. I think Clark had such, like, a, a robust, like, theater community that was just really engaged. But, like, I guess, like, I also don't necessarily know if it's, like, a theater school. So, no. yeah, you know, like, I mean, I think it's definitely with the people that were there, you know, that were just so committed to it. And But, um, but do you ever regret, like, not going to a more traditional, uh, school for theater or performing arts? Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, as far as the experience, I, like I treasured the experience I had at Clark and I, I think it made me a well-rounded person and I definitely met wonderful people and people from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And I, I don't, I don't think I would have gotten that in a conservatory because I think there is, you know, with where, what we're seeing the discourse shifting to, there is a lot of gatekeeping and there is a lot of like the same type of person, like getting access to these programs, um, which is a huge problem. 
and then also, I, I don't know, I think I needed to grow up a little more before I, before I, um, delved so deeply into a business that is like kind of, kind of hard on your psyche a little bit as far as like, you know, you're being judged. You don't have as much economic stability or like when you do, it's going really well, but it won't last. And so, um, yeah, I do feel uh, not so much for the experience itself, but for the opportunities it could have afforded me. Mm, um, mm. of these conservatories, these kids, when they graduate, they'll get a showcase and they'll get, you know, picked up by agencies and then they have more doors open for them, um, that way. But for, for me, I, I am pretty peaceful about it. And now the big question is graduate school and MFA, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Do you, do you ever feel like, or did I, I'm trying to figure out the correct way to phrase this. I remember that, you know, when we did Legally Blonde, that you really, really wanted to be Vivica. Not Vivica. Vivian. Vivian, yep. And I, I just remember you, like, really wanted to be Vivian. And everyone's like, but you're going to be L. And <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> so, I mean, has there been, you know, what is what is the downside, I guess, to being kind of a go-to, you know, lead, do you kind of miss out on parts that you would have preferred or, you know, what was that like for you? Um, you know, at, at the time I just, I, I felt like I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, and I, I did feel like I was maybe a little pigeonholed at the time, but I was so, so lucky to have the opportunity yeah. to even that part. Um, now it's really, like there, there are so many people to choose from that. It's just like, if you're right for something, you're right for something and they're going to call you. Um, because I, I guess I felt during Legally Blonde that I wasn't, uh, totally right for L. And, uh, whereas in like a market like New England, they're going to find someone who's like absolutely perfect. And she's, she's going to get that phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's not really it's not really a problem anymore because it's like <laughs> if if the phone rings, it's and uh, there have been uh, roles that I've lost out on that I've been like really really disappointed about, and then I will go and see the show, and I have really rarely ever disagreed with the casting choice. Mm. I'll be oh yeah, she makes so much more sense for that role. So it's um yeah, it's just there are so many talented people to choose from, um, that, yeah, it's just kind of when the phone rings, like if you're right for something, you're right for something and you either submit for it or audition and it, it's subjective, but it's not as subjective as you think. And, you know, the people will kind of look at you and then look at what you've done and look at the character and they say, oh yeah, okay, we'll look at you for this without even having to say, I'm auditioning for blah, blah, blah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause it just kind of, just kind of speaks for itself. Uh, once you, once you hit a certain, a certain level, I guess, I don't know. Do you feel like, you know, now that you're, you're like out in the quote unquote real world is, is it kind of, I mean, of course it's scary, but like this idea that, you know, there's like a hundred other people that look like me that can do what I do, you know, like how do you make yourself stand out? So you can get work 
that's a that's a hard one um still if that's an ever ever evolving process for sure um but everyone says it and it sounds like such a such a cliche but you just have to be authentic you have to be totally yourself um and then people will you know see see something in you based on their vision for the character and there are all of these people who look like you but they might not have the same vocal quality they might not have the same dry delivery of something they might be just just a little different their life experiences shaped them in a different way and um yeah if someone sees you and they realize that you're the one that they're looking for um it doesn't really matter if there's a a girl who's also good and also your height and also your hair color (laughs) um you know, it's just kind of like you're waiting for waiting for lightning to strike, and it does every once in a while, so. Have you ever tried out for a role that, you know, is, like, super out of the realm? I remember I, I tried out for Man and Chair because I was like, this will be, doing Drowsy Chaperone, because I was like, this will be great. Like, it's totally out of left field, and um, I did enjoy my performance of it. But uh, do you think that... <laughs> Still a little bitter. Uh, do you have you ever tried out for a role that was like we've never seen that before? It's just totally different because you thought you could bring something unique to the character, or you know, in like the actual real worldness of it, do you kind of stick to more traditional kind of auditions? You know, that's something. Um, that's something I need to get a little bit better at is like I I'm so you know I like to be a collaborator so I want to be like here here I am use me however you see fit um and I want to really develop and foster that creativity of someone who says no I know I can do this I'm gonna gender bend or you know whatever bend this role and bring something totally new to it be a totally different age different person whatever um I do have to give credit to actually my partner Jeff is the artistic director of Burbage Theatre Company which I that's um my like professional home now um and he last year one of the last show I did that was fully produced before the pandemic hit was Edward the Second which is uh by Christopher Marlowe oh my god if it's not I'm in so much trouble (laughs) You were, listen, you were in the show. That's enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but anyway, he actually, it's, you read the show and there's one female part. So he cast the entire show with all women. It was an all-female cast. Mm. Playing men, we were sword fighting. Um, and I was actually the villain, um, Mortimer, and I was like a re- like a real bastard. Um, and it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. It was just really, really great. Um, yeah, so I, I it kind of, yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been sort of leaving it up to uh, people in casting to, like, see something that I could, like, stretch myself. And I should take more initiative and say, you know what, I do something creative with this. I'm so glad I could be here to help your career. You know, that's really... <laughs> What, um, I guess, kind of, you know, when you told your parents, you know, you went to this fancy liberal arts school, um, you know, and you were like, hey, but I'm also 
gonna hopefully make it as an actress in these streets. Uh, what was kind of like their response? Have they always been super into you doing that? Did they know that this is where this was going? They always had an idea and the, I, I'm very lucky cause they have been super supportive, um, through, through the whole thing. And, you know, they, I, they want me to be independent and they, you know, have impressed that upon me, but they also, um, you know, if I get too complacent in my like survival jobs, they're like, no, but you gotta keep, you gotta keep trying. You gotta keep doing it. Um, they're, just truly, truly so supportive. And, um, my dad's a musician and my mom's a teacher and they've always, you know, they've always kind of got it. They're creative themselves. Um, so yeah. And they know that I put the pressure on myself too, to be successful that, um, you know, I want to do this because I love it, but I also want to contribute to my community and I also don't want to starve. So (laughs) the important uh, things, like the little things like food, bread, you know, right water (laughs) (laughs) what is I guess kind of what is like one of the unforeseen challenges of of trying to make it in in this space uh one of the unforeseen challenges for me is just all of the networking Mm. Uh, and I have never been I'm, I'm like a little a little shy when it comes to really putting myself out there um and, you know, maybe meeting new people or walk, going to an event and walking up to the director and saying, hi, you should know me. This is my name. And there are so many actors who are so good at that. And the most successful actors are, you know, they're still humble, but they put themselves in front of the right people. They shake the right hands. Um, and that's absolutely necessary. You know, um, you just have to kind of not, not play the game, but you have to, you have to make connections for sure. Um, yeah. So what is then like your, you know, what's the goal? What, what is like the top when you've like, I've made it? Oh, I mean, anything, just the, the first tier of that would be just like steady paycheck. I don't have to have any other job. I can just pay my bills with creative work. Um, so that's the first tier. The second tier would be like, you know, I, I have like friends now who are getting Broadway gigs or getting contracts and it's like, okay, but we're not, you know, we're not that different. So maybe (laughs) it could happen, I guess. Um, so some, something like that, you know, that one, it's like, it feels like the degrees of separation are, you know, the gap is closing a little bit Mm -hmm. with, with stuff like that, just because, you know, we know so many, um, you know, we have so many colleagues who are now kind of making those breakthroughs. Um, and then finally it's like every actor's dream, I'll just say is like recurring role TV series, cash that paycheck. <laughs> the summer, like I, I, there's nothing better, you know? <laughs> so do you want to go more to like television? You know, is that like, a thing that you're into? I'm definitely into it. I mean, theater is my favorite. I don't think there's anything like theater in the world. I feel like it's an essential, like, food for the spirit Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that, you know, TV and movies are, and they're artful and beautiful, but there's just something about the the communion of 
theater. We've been talking about how much we miss um, miss live theater during the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. Just being able to sit and just like, there's something about seeing like it's like a production taking place in front of you without stopping and people just like creating these characters in front of you and no performance is going to be like the next one. Everything is going to be different. And I think like, whether it's the same actors, it's just, it's still always going to be different every single time you see it. And like to know that you have that ability to, to story tell in such a way, ah, a dream. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, um, you know, theater, theater is definitely my favorite. There's nothing like it, but um, TV it just opens so many doors, uh, and the pay is very nice. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, it's very nice, and it's kind of, you know, everybody everybody has a little bit of an ego, and I, I, because it's such a such a shaky job to have at times, and there's not a ton of financial security you kind of want something that you can point to and say, look, I was in that, or I did this. I am legitimate in some way. Um, which is just like a nagging, nagging little voice in your head that you have to say, stop it. (laughs) Do this for yourself. Like, don't do it for, for the, the pudding as Amy Poehler (laughs) says. Um, do you ever think about like moving back to New York or moving to LA to kind of, pursue more that side of it, you know, maybe get a spot on Law & Order, because I feel like every New York actor needs to be on the franchise. (laughs) Right of passage. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And my my partner is an actor, too, and both of us, you know, he's considering grad school. I am also maybe thinking about grad school, but we've talked about Chicago. We've talked about, you know, some opportunities in San Diego, some... You know, even I, I would love to go back to New York someday. Maybe not. Um, maybe uh, I would sublet because <laughs> just because you get other places. But uh, yeah, yeah, I do. We're we're really open right now to what the next few years are going to bring. So. So you talked. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about survival jobs. Can you just delve into that kind of? Because I feel like that's a whole thing in itself oh yeah um so you know I've had the more typical ones of like working in a restaurant um you know the whole time I've worked at pizza places I worked at an Italian restaurant in Brooklyn which I loved I (laughs) ate so well when I worked there um and then I was able to get a very flexible market research job I was very lucky um, one of our fellow alumni, Caroline Connor. Oh. Um, yeah, her father actually owns a market research firm, really small, um, in East Providence. And uh, he w- took me on very generously as an administrative assistant slash office manager. Um, and so for the past two years before the pandemic, I had been helping him out. And he was really great about if I got an audition for a commercial the next day, he would say, Oh yeah, that's, that's totally fine. We'll make it work. You go. Um, so when the pandemic hit, not only did I lose my whole industry and seemingly one fell swoop, but my survival job, which 
relies on focus groups, people being together in a room, Mm -hmm. uh, that suddenly dried up as well um, and has been closed pretty much since March. Mm -hmm. So currently, (laughs) I, um, I actually got a job as a patient care coordinator at an outpatient physical therapy facility, which um, has been wild. Uh, They needed someone bilingual and, you know, with a lot of hours and mental health wise, I was just not doing great with staring at the same four walls. So I was like, you know what, I will take this job, I'll help out. And then hopefully, in the summer, I know um, Burbage Theater Company is planning on coming back with some outdoor Shakespeare, hopefully, will be safe um and then hopefully as we move into the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022 we'll start to see a version of our life uh as we remember it and we we can go back to I mean you are literally in an industry that completely shut down Mm -hmm. just I mean you know can you tell me about like how has that been for for you, your partner, your, like, mental stability? Because I think you are the first person that I've talked to in quarantine, like, for these interviews that, like, their their job is just completely gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it's totally gone. We've been having a very hard time with it. Um, you know, my my partner, he is also an artistic director and he teaches theater at URI in Rhode Island college. And so he wears a lot of hats and he has for years. And so he was feeling very burnt out and this actually has been a breather for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not quite so busy and I was just totally in denial. You know, we were about to produce a show. We were about to do, uh, Sarah rules in the next room or the vibrator play. Mm, I don't think I know this. It's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's about, it's set in the late 19th century, um, where this couple, the, the man is a doctor who treats, um, women for hysteria. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes. Yes. Uh, women for hysteria by using his, uh, invention, of the electric vibrator, um, to treat these patients. And it's all about like intimacy and, you know, female sexuality and all these things. Um, but it was, it's very interesting. And we rehearsed the whole thing and March 12th, 2020 (laughs) was supposed to be our first preview. And we were, halfway through we were in the dressing room it was like 6 30 we're putting on our you know period appropriate undergarments because you have to dress and undress in the show if you're a... <laughs> um and so we're all in these like period undergarments and we got word that the mayor of providence rhode island jorge lorza uh suspended entertainment licenses for providence now our so trinity rep canceled had to close their show early, everything. And we kind of froze. We thought, you know, we're in Pawtucket, so we could technically still do it, but we're about 10 minutes down the road. Mm -hmm. Is that ethical? Is that responsible? So we ended up calling all of the patrons in our, like, period undergarments and saying, no, we're so sorry. We have to cancel for this weekend, but we'll more than likely be back next weekend. And uh, we just demoed the set in June. 
So, um, yeah, we really were like, it, it was such a, such a stark, like had the experience of tech week and rehearsals and dress rehearsals. And then we got right up to it and the world stopped spinning. It was just bizarre. Um, and so I think we were in denial for a long time and now it's like, Ooh, this is, we're in it for the long haul. You know, this is on, on pause for longer than we'd like it to be. And, you know, we're pretty lucky and we're lucky to live in new England because a lot of actors living in New York had to give up their leases. They had to just kind of hightail it out of there. Um, and make a lot of tough calls as far as, you know, what they were going to do for work and where they were going to go. Um, so we're definitely lucky in that respect. But, you know, there and there's been a huge push for digital content, which, you know, we've done a little bit of, but it's just, it's hard and it's not, it's just not the same. It's just not like being in a, in a theater and communing with everybody around you. I know. I, I can only imagine. I mean, your industry literally shut down. Like it, like, I, yeah, I think you're definitely like the only, cause I've, you know, I've talked to photographers and stuff and they're still like still have ways of, like, kind of making money and whatnot, but theater is, is so uniquely that you need to be around a lot of people, and that can't really mm-hmm. change, like... Yeah. And just to have that completely taken out from under you is... And as, a, like, especially because it's, it's you know, what you love, you know, it's it's the main... Mm-hmm. The main hustle. I... I I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. But yeah, that, that is, that is it. It's like, you know, I'm so sympathetic to everyone who has lost jobs because of this, but, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, I think a lot of people who were furloughed or lost jobs, it was their way of paying the bills. But for so many of us in this industry, it's really our, our passion too. And so it's just kind of like, just ultra devastating to just not be, not be able to, to do it for so long. For, so for like the, I know like you know, you've always had, like, survival jobs, obviously, but when it comes to, like, the difficult bit of that, of, like, I have, you know, health insurance, and, and, like, yeah, it's a survival job, but, you know, how much can that pay my rent and stuff? Like, how have you managed all of that? It's a tough balancing act, for sure. Um, I am just lucky with the setup that I have that I get my insurance through, um, my state's like health insurance marketplace. It's called health source. So that has worked out really well for me. I know, um, one of, one of the critiques of actors equity is their, um, their method of, you know, having their members be eligible for insurance is that it's based on the number of weeks that you work. Um, so if you work for, I think 11 weeks, you are covered for six months of health insurance um, from the union. And then if you work another nine weeks, then you're covered for the full year, Um, which, you know, sounds like it's not that crazy. And obviously if someone's on Broadway and working eight shows a week indefinitely, they're going to hit that no problem and be covered. But for regional actors who sometimes you have a really great season where you're working in like five or six shows, you can also have the next season where you have one in September and then you don't work again until May. 
Um, so it's really, it's really rough. And then for a lot of the people who were working consistently and hitting those weeks, no problem, the pandemic really just set them adrift. And a lot of them at the end of the year were poised to lose their health insurance. That's just, uh, what a shame. There's like, there's so many intricacies of like ways in which this pandemic has, you know, affected so many people. And it's like, that's not even something I, like, I know about people, like, losing health insurance, but especially, like, you're, it's by the week, you know, mm-hmm. of you being able to qualify, and it sucks that there was no other path, you know, to, yeah. like, like, hey, like, nobody can perform, though. So, like, mm-hmm. can we make a little leeway here <laughs> to try yeah. and figure something out is, is bananas. Have you, um, just to, you know, get back on track, like, have you, do you do you get an agent in this in the theater world? Do you get you know, somewhat or is that something you're working towards? You know what is that next yeah. step? Yeah, still um, still working toward it. I so I am now ju- actually just eligible to join the union, Actors Equity, and um, I was since September of last year, and then I did a few non-union shows, so I didn't have to opt in. And, uh, I was really poised this spring. I was like, okay, I'm going to get something and then I'll opt in and this will be like a new, new leaf for me professionally. Um, obviously plans were derailed. (laughs) Um, but you have the option, yeah, to, um, to find representation. You can audition for agents, especially when you are equity. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a, a program in New York called agent access where you sign up and you can just audition for a panel of agents. And if they want to pick you up, they'll, they'll let you know. Um, and then some, some of it's networking too, but yeah, I've, I've been, that's definitely a next step as far as like having someone who's just looking out for me and putting things in front of me instead of just having the world wide web at my disposal full of auditions from all over the world and not knowing where to begin to some extent. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, like, how do you find your auditions? You know, how do you, how do you get in front of those people? What is that? You just Google auditions in the area and hope for the best? I have found that the best, um, the best resources for auditions that are not paid memberships of some kind are playbill.com and broadwayworld.com. And Broadway World, you can actually filter by region. You can do East, Central, West, um, anything like that. Um, They're all really empty right now, but you can (laughs) can look and see, okay, this is in this city. This is at this date. These are the requirements, um, all that. And then there are the more, um, you know, expensive subscription services where you have a Boston area-based one called Stage Source, um, that you can buy a membership and then get a newsletter about all of the auditions. Um, and then backstage, which, um, it's like, I find backstage to be a little clickbaity because sometimes, you know, they'll, they're very, uh, social media savvy. So you'll see these like ads for, Oh, you can be on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel today. And Oh yeah. That one keeps popping up on my Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but backstage is, um, kind of, kind of has a little bit of a monopoly on how you can submit for TV roles. Um, 
throughout the country. Otherwise, you have to kind of go through local casting agencies, either in Boston or New York or Rhode Island, too. So do you audition for, like, the casting agencies first and then for the show, for the specific... Yeah, I find they, um, you can rarely, like, for theater, you can show up and audition. For TV, they only, it's sort of, like, invite only. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like, the only film audition I've ever gotten is because I auditioned for a panel at Stage Source, and I had to bring, like, 50 copies of my headshot and resume um, you have exactly a minute. If you go over, they'll cut you off. So I had to, you know, pick a monologue that was like short, but had enough meat to it. And I was panicking in the car, like saying it over and over again with the stopwatch on my phone, making sure I wasn't going over. Um, and they actually contacted me, one of the representatives who was there to come and audition for a film through Boston casting. Didn't get it, but, um, (laughs) Yeah, kind of, it's it's a lot of it is just, like, putting yourself out there, getting in the room, and then people will be like, oh, yeah, you can come audition for this thing. That's so, that's so, 50 headshots? Yeah, it, it might have been, like, 46, but, but it was a Okay, lot. either way, that feels <laughs> aggressive. Did you use all of them? Because, like, I feel like that's a thing, it's like, come with 50, but we'll only use five kind of thing. Yeah, well, they had, like, I think they had, like, 46 representatives from different companies or agencies there and so they said that um if they pick yours they'll they'll keep it and they'll keep it on file if they're not interested you can bring a self-addressed envelope and we'll send them back to you (laughs) and so at the end I got like three back oh so people have you yeah so I'm on file a couple places but yeah you you just you had the option to not waste a ton of money on the headshot, which I thought was, I thought was pretty nice. Cause that could have been rough. Yeah. Do you, are there certain roles that you feel like you gravitate towards that really just called to you? Um, I love comedy. I love comedy and I love really kind of like dry witty things. Um, I just always have, um, I love physical comedy too. And I think it's just because I, I feel like a lot of the the female experience that's written in plays can, can veer into melodrama or it can just be like so focused on suffering um, that uh, it's so refreshing to have a woman who is not just like very upset about something talking on stage. Um, so I definitely gravitate toward those a little bit more. What has been, I guess, like your most rewarding, you know, experience in in the industry or maybe your favorite role that you've played? It's like so hard, so hard to choose. Um, I mean, there are a few all for, all for different reasons. There's, um, I was Viola in Twelfth Night and in Shakespeare in Love. So that was like a very cool thing to play, you know. Um, both of those characters and great experiences. Um, I loved being in the importance of being earnest. Cause that's just that Oscar Wilde's like super like um, ornate language and 
just flowery and fun and silly and um Gloria by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins was a lot of fun because I played three different characters over the course of the play mm-hmm. um, and that was really fun to kind of make those distinct and create a really different person every time and then find like Emmy in a doll's house part two um I I'll I'll send it to you yeah it's really <laughs> it's really it's really cool especially since you know we've studied Ibsen um but there are these women in this play that are just so um self-possessed they're so smart and they're just you know they're not they're just not as tender which there's nothing wrong with tenderness but it's in a really a really nice way that I think we only get to see men written in Mm, mm. which is one, one thing that I really like about the play it is kind of like Ibsen fanfic it's like <laughs> it, it is for sure like you know the the playwright Lucas Nath wrote A Doll's House Part 2 on a napkin on a train and like laughed to himself and then was like wait and wrote this play um, <laughs> have but, you been doing more like straight plays versus like musical theater since you know leaving school for the first three years, I did, like, exclusively musical theater, and then that theater um, that did it closed. And especially in Rhode Island, there is um, Theater by the Sea, which only operates in the summer. Mm. Uh, they do musicals, but they are one of those. There, there are also a lot of theater companies that will get kind of bigger names from New York. Um, so there, it's kind of hard to have an in at a lot of these places. <laughs> But, um, yeah, um, there, there isn't uh, a ton of opportunity in musical theater right now, especially, but, um, trying to get a little more involved in the Boston scene and seeing if I can, you know, work my way in there. Um, but yeah, outside of New York, it just seems like, I mean, musicals are expensive to produce and, you know, theaters operate on such tight margins already. It seems just like straight plays make more fiscal sense to them, I guess. But I, I do really miss musicals. Do you keep up with it? Like, how do you, I guess, keep yourself fresh? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to ask it. You know, do you, are you practicing songs every day? Are you practicing monologues when you don't have auditions? You know, like, what is your, your training process? Do you feel like is there a a pressure for you to look a certain way? Um, do you feel like you have to keep up with? Um, yes to all of that. The answer, well, the answer to the first part is that I should be (laughs) like practicing and going through my rep book every day or at least every week. And I should, I should come out of quarantine with like 14 new monologues, like down (laughs) that I can just go to any audition to. But, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to stay motivated during a, We're in a pandemic, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it should be and there there is the pressure and there there is the kind of um like, oh, who got that role and she's 23? Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> you know, like do I seeing Facebook memories from the year before and being like, uh-oh, do I do I look older? <laughs> Y'all can't oh. see it, but she's trying to, like, pull back wrinkles. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, so there is definitely uh, a little bit of pressure um, at the age that I'm at now to like feel like I have to achieve some level of success. And if I don't, then I feel like I have to wait until I am much older and can play, you know, like the older matronly (laughs) characters or something. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. And then we're, we're on a precipice with like, um, you know, inclusivity and, and body positivity that uh, like, hopefully like, I, I love the thing going around that it's like, your body is a Broadway body. Like, cause actors have had this toxic thing, especially in musical theater with dancers mm-hmm. and like guilty, but like people would, you know, post gym selfies and say hashtag Broadway body mm. and stuff like that. And it's like that very cookie cutter, like everybody looks the same kind of thing. And now there's a bit of a like reclaiming going on of like, no, everybody has a Broadway body. Stop this. But yeah, you definitely feel the the pressure to be like, oh, if like if I didn't get this role, it's because of X, Y, and Z, and you know because there are just a million reasons that you don't know about. Um, you can often just kind of get down on yourself and and your appearance, um, but you just have to try to say no. It's it's about my ability at the end of the day, and just try to have a healthy mindset. What it, I guess, kind of, like, what's your, you know, goal for this, up? I want to say upcoming two years, because, like, let's be honest, we're all still going to be inside, um, and (laughs) so just, like, you know, what is, kind of, what's your goal, what do you want to, what do you want to achieve? Um, I definitely want to submit for more things, I want to take more initiative, um, get better at self-tapes, um, we kind of have, like, a we finally invested in like a self tape setup so Mm. we can submit things. And, um, you know, a lot of times myself and other actors hold, hold ourselves back and say, well, I'm not going to bother submitting for that because they're never going to call me or I'm not going to get it. And then once in a while, your friend will just submit for something on a whim and they they'll get it or they'll get a phone call and be on someone's radar. Um, so definitely just making it more of a priority, submitting for more things um, and just reaching out to more people and staying connected. Cause when things eventually come back, which I have faith <laughs> that they will, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to want to foster those relationships and we're going to say like, this is a joyful time to reconnect and be happy to collaborate again. So. And yeah. so for the last question that I asked all of my guests, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Wow. Um, oof. I would define womanhood as being being open, being open to experiences, being open to um meeting new people, being open to hearing people's stories. Um, when I think of womanhood, I just think of like being receptive and open, um, and strong and being, you know, strong in who you, who you are, but also just like having, having an openness to learning about other people. I like that. I love that. I love all the answers I get. Um, Allie, thank you so much. I can't express to you. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on the show. 
Um, is there anything that you want to plug, give a shout out to you? Um, just support your local theaters, you know, um, maybe buy a, buy a gift card, help them stay afloat until they can come back and, you know, entertain you again and (laughs) have those special nights at the theater once again. But, um, yeah, just, just don't, don't forget about us. (laughs) (laughs) The theater actors. (laughs) Um, thank you everybody. Thank you again, Allie. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been another incredible episode. So excited that, um, I got to sit down virtually and and talk with Allie. If you want to connect with the show, Please feel free and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Go ahead and like us on Facebook, More Than a Pretty Face. Um, If you want to connect with me, want to come on the show, know someone who should come on the show, please feel free to email me at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get the show. It really does help the show grow. And talk to you soon. Bye-bye.